get started, all right? I think we're probably going to call this leaving a legacy, but I'm not sure. But we'll just let others do that. But uh, I meant to do something last week, and I didn't do it. So I'm going to do it this week, because when I got home two weeks ago, Pat looked at me and she says, you used a dirty word in church, and we, you, you're going to have to correct that. And I said, okay. And then she reminded me what that word was, and we weren't allowed to use this word in our house, and we're still not allowed to use this word in our house, but I used it in church I don't know if you all remember when I, I kept saying stupid, 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 you know. Pat said, that word, we don't use that word. And you've got a bunch of little ears in there, and you can't use that word. So I wanted to apologize for using that word. I guess here's what I was trying to say, and I'll say it another way. Here's what I was trying to say. Just because God used a donkey twice in the Scriptures, to speak as a mouthpiece doesn't mean that we need to all go out and buy a pasture and fill it full of donkeys, okay? That's really what I meant to say, all right? Now, you just go back and read that and figure out what, you know, what I'm trying to say there. But just because we see something in the Word doesn't mean we just jump on that literally, amen? Uh, I tried to explain to a gentleman, I won't go there, um, <laughs> Another thing, I don't want anyone to feel that I have devalued doctors. Nobody said anything to me about this. I'm just going to say it. I love my doctors. I mean, I love my doctors. Uh, God gave us great favor to have the doctor we have, and I have got a, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he's the best. He's the best in the region, and um, I love him, and he's a fine Christian man, and um, he's been able to do things for us, my health, lately my health, without using any uh, medication. And so it's been a very, um, re it's been re really rewarding to see God do that. But we, but, but we went in there the other day and we said something to them. They wanted to know what my blood pressure was. And we told them, and that young lady who is his assistant gave my wife a big high five and said, praise the Lord, right there in the office. You know, that's the kind of doctor I want to go to. That, that's just the kind of doctor I want to go to. All right? I want one that's Bible-believing, God-believing, uh, grace-believing, amen, and knows who to give the glory to, amen? All right. So, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, I was going to reference starting out today, I knew a man, and um, that man... I uh, knew him for years and years, and uh, I always felt like I needed to get close to him, try to be encouraging to him in some way. And he's a very hard man to get, he's a very hard man to encourage, because everything was, you know, down. And I got to talking to him one day, and we got to talking about lawn care. He said, I hate grass. I said, well, I don't like mowing it. I said, I, I enjoy mowing it. I do enjoy getting out there and mowing until it gets hot and you got wind because then you sweat and the grass sticks to you. And I'm not, cra I'm not crazy about that. But that, that, you know, that's not fun. But, but I do enjoy going out there and mowing. 
he, did, he hated it. He hated every bit of it. And I, we got to talking about trees. He said, I don't have trees. I hate trees. I said, okay. And I tried to talk to him about it. He said, I hate bushes. I hate flowers. I hate anything that you have to mow around. I want nothing but. Well, one day we got on a topic of where he lives, so I went to go see where he lived because I thought there's no way. You're married. you got a wife. There's no way you live in a place that doesn't have something, you know. Well, I'll tell you what. He didn't have anything. Right up to the base of the house, it was grass. And, I mean, there, was, there wasn't, his property was flat as a flounder, and it didn't have a thing on it but grass. I thought, boy, you really do hate everything, you know, about that. But with that attitude and, and uh, struggles with him at work, see, I knew his boss very well, and, his, his, uh, and, and very, very struggle, 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 struggle. And, folks, when he died, I don't think there was anybody unhappy about it. I, 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 I was kind of sorry because he was too young. But I ran into his wife, and she didn't almost seem free, you know. What will they say after we're gone? How will they, what effect will we have made after we're gone? Will we be missed? After six months, will they already be in the arms of another? What impression will we really make? And that's what we're going to talk today about a little bit. Just get a little serious here, because there's some things with this great message that we have that, that God has given us, and we need to take a look at. Uh, go with me over to uh, Psalms. Well, you don't even have to go there. Psalms 50 and 10. The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Can I tell you that he doesn't just own the cattle on a thousand hills? but he owns the hills those cattle are setting on. The Bible says over in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10, 26, that the earth and the fullness thereof, it is the Lord's. The earth. Now notice God never takes possession of the world. He takes possession of the earth. Notice when we do a solar system, we never count earth as a world we count it as earth and there's a reason for that that is the planet that we live on is earth and God claims earth it is his and the fullness thereof now when you get the depiction of fullness it's everything the earth produces is his well, what do you have in your hands and what can you use and where can you go and what can you do that doesn't or wasn't created by the earth? Everything came out of the earth. That diesel truck you drive, all of it came out of the earth. Every bit of it. That house you built or that house you purchased, every bit of it came out of the earth. How you heat it came out of the earth. You can say, well, no, I use solar. Well, the solar panel you built to pull in the sun came out of the earth. 
everything you have, every piece of leather, every piece of jewelry, every piece of everything you eat, everything you are, everything we have, everything that exists on this planet didn't show up from someplace else. It all came out of the earth. And God said, the earth and the fullness thereof, everything that comes out of it is mine. Boom. I'm reminded of a gentleman this week. It's funny, you know, you get to thinking on these terms and somebody gives you a call and, and they tell you about somebody talking about, you know, they ask them about, about their business. They said, well, are you the owner of this business? He said, no, I, I'm the manager. He's the owner. You know, I had another man say it to me this way. He said, I am the owner of nothing and the steward of everything. Everything, everything God puts in my hand. I noticed Paul said it this way. I thank you. He, he was talking to the Philippian church. I thank you, Philippians, so very much for supporting my ministry. Paul said it that way. Just as I tell you on a regular basis, thank you so much for supporting this ministry here. Because it's our ministry. Now, you know what the difference is between an organization's ministry and an individual's ministry? A whole lot more accountability. A whole lot more accountability. I'm responsible for what happens with this ministry and how the finances are, are taken care of. Why? Because I'm the manager of it. Is it mine? No. But who do you write? You know, I hear, I used to sit in board meetings and they go, they go stuff like this. And we need to watch out for that money because it's Jesus' money. I said, Jesus' money. And we need to watch out how we're, what we're doing. And, 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 and when somebody do something, say, well, what did you do with Jesus' money? Did you know not one check came in with Jesus' name on it? I've yet to have one come in. I wouldn't know how to cash it. <laughs> Jesus doesn't have an account. Because he's not, because that, that money is part of this world's system. And Jesus, he said, I'm not of this world. Neither is his money. That's why pennies don't fall from heaven, because he can't, he can't. That's why he says, given it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, shall men give unto your bosom. Because God can't get money to you. He can get money to you through men. Now, let me ask you something. If you have this big of a group of people that you know and you're needing God to get something to you, guess what he's got to work with? But if I've got this big, this big, I'm giving God more influence to work with because this many has only so many contacts in it and so many and so many people connected because every time God does something it's always through a connection we knew a pastor that um, because he knew another pastor that pastor got him on radio or television and that television and radio got him out 
away from everyone, and that influence grew because he got out, and he only got there by the influence of one man in his life. Now, he had lots of influence, but that one man in his life, he had several big influences that helped him get his ministry started and growing, but he had this one man in his life that got him the influence on radio and television. When radio and television took place, he was pastoring at that time probably close to 5,000 people. And he lived in a two-apartment flat. I've been to it. I've seen it. I'm telling you, it was just an apartment, nothing fancy. He's pastoring 5,000 people. Go track down pastors here in town that are pastoring, they think a mega church. It ain't no mega church. It's just a big church, okay? But look at their homes. I'm not bashing it. I'm not bashing that, okay? I'm just saying this guy said, if God's going to get it to me, he's going to get it to me. He wrote several books. I'm talking 20, 30 books at that time. All those books, the proceeds went to the church, the ministry. Wow. Who does that? Well, then when he got done, well, he's preaching a sermon, and somebody down one of the southern states heard him preach that message, and they called the ministry. And they said, hey, um, we'd like to talk to so-and-so. Well, he's not available. I said, all right. So, well, we want to make a donation, but it has to go specifically to what we tell him it goes to. Okay, we're, we're fine with that. Uh, will it be in an area that we you know, we don't want to, we don't open up an account for something that we don't do here. So what is it you want to give to? And we'll tell you. He said, well, we want to give to his home. You want to give to his home? He said, yeah, we want to buy him a home. Okay. You want to buy him a home? Yeah, we want to buy him a home. Now, he didn't make it known that he was living in a two-room apartment all this time. You know, he's just doing God's work. Him and his wife wanted a home, and, and they prayed about wanting a home. And I'm just telling you how, this, how God wants to work in your life. Instead of you jumping ahead sometimes, be sensitive. Like I told you about having a doctor, be sensitive with the doctor. Pray for that doctor before you get there. Don't go to the doctor as he's the source. Pray for that doctor to have wisdom when you show up. That you have favor with him and he has favor with you and all of you have favor with God and get the diagnosis right and get it quick. You know when you do that, you're not going to be short with the doctor. You're also not going to look for a doctor that just makes you laugh and he's funny. You're going to look for the one God has for you in your life. Amen? That's with everything. When you're looking for a realtor, when you're looking, look for and pray to God for it first. Listen, you're the owner of nothing and the steward of everything. You don't want something coming into your hands that was not part of God's plan for your life. It'll turn into an anchor. And it'll be nothing but an albatross that you have to deal with and try to get rid of and nobody else will want. Because you built it. You did it. You, 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 you. 
And God's saying, I got a plan. I put these desires in your heart. I have a direction for you. If you pray about it before you take the step and seek his peace and follow it. Am I making any sense this morning? I want to help you guys out to understand that God has a plan for you to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and establish his future. But we've got to hear from him. He wants to talk to us. Anyway, this couple called and said, hey, we want to buy him a home. And, and, and I mean, they built him about a $500,000 home. Debt free. All donation. I mean, he had to pay taxes on it because it came to him. You know, he ended up having to pay taxes on it. And, and then, then they came along. About six months into the building program and said, we made a mistake. And he got, oh, no. A mistake. So he looked at his wife and said, oh, how are we going to pay for this? We're going to have to get a loan. Because we'll give these people. The, see, integrity is we'll give these people their money back. They felt like they did the wrong thing. We'll give the people their money back. He says, so what's the mistake? Because this time when they called, he, he said, if they ever call again, you, you get that phone call straight to me. And, and he got the phone call and said, we made a big mistake. What's the, mis what's the mistake? Well, we got to praying about it. And God told us to build you a home. But, I mean, if we build you a home like that, how are you going to afford to furnish it? We were supposed to send you money for furniture. So they sent them another couple hundred thousand to fill that thing up with furniture. Now, I'm saying this to say that now that he has this, his attitude still is, I don't own it. It isn't mine. Because you know what? When you die, somebody else is going to move into it. doesn't matter how beautiful it's built. It doesn't matter how breathtaking it is for all your family to walk in and go, oh, look at your home. Oh, my goodness. Listen, live in what you want to live in. But understand, whenever you live in it, you're just living there for a short time. One day, somebody else, I drove by my mom and dad's home. Dad spent his life, that was the house that Jerry built. When he went blind, I watched him go out to his garage. Now they get this, men. I'm not, not many men can do this. I watched him blindly go out to his garage. He needed a certain size pipe and a certain size something else to do something. He went out there and, 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 and felt around a little bit, opened up a drawer, and there was just pipes that size. He picked up one of those, closed the drawer, went down, said, what other size did you need? And told him, and, and, and he went over and, and felt it, pulled it open, pulled it out. There, are these, are, these are it, right? And, his, and he had just that and that, just that and that. Just. I remember when, when he built his first nail bin out there in the barn, and he had every size of nail in each bin, if you needed a nail or a screw, you went out there and you knew right, right where it was at. But after he did all that, and it was so nice, and that place was so neat, and everything was so cared for, somebody else lives there now. I can't just drive up in the driveway and walk up the steps and go in and take a look where I was raised because somebody else owned it. I can't jump in the pool. They'll come arrest me. Somebody's going to ask me to, you need to get off the property now, you know. 
they did things, they've done things to that property that I don't care for. But guess what? doesn't matter anymore because I don't own it. Mom and dad don't own it. We have nothing to do with it. It's gone. It's to somebody else now. Everything you have, somebody else will pick through one day. Wow, pastor, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk about this. What I'm trying to help you understand is let's not put so much of a value on things. He said he'll give you all things. Amen? All things. All things. He'll give you all things. If it's in your heart to have a bass boat, I can tell you right now, God wants to get a bass boat in your hands. If it's a motorcycle, he wants to get a motorcycle. He wants you to enjoy life. If you need a car, he wants to get a car in your hands. If you need a home, he wants to get a home in your hands. If you need, re if you need relationships restored, he wants to restore them. But understand, one day there will be a parting of those relationships. And after that day, there will be no fixing whatever needed to be fixed beforehand. You better get it fixed now because this is all on borrowed stuff on borrowed time. Now, God says we can have 120 years. That's what he says in his word. Whether we ever claim it and receive it will be up to us. All right? But however many days you have here, everything you have is lent to you. It was grace to you. And he'll never grace you with more than if you're a child of his and you're wanting his, you're wanting his way. How many of you want his way? I want him. All right, then you need to understand he's never going to put more in your hands that will hurt you and that more than you can be responsible for. Because let me tell you something, everything you, all that money that flows through your hands, you will be responsible for. See, we get to think we're not responsible for that. But you gave your life for it. You laid your life down. Every Monday morning, you're going to get up and you're going to leave your wife, you're going to leave your children, you're going to leave your home, the comforts of all your living. You're gonna, some of you are going to put clothes on you don't want to wear or you won't wear anywhere else. And you're going to go lay your life down. And the only reason you lay your life down is for a dollar. Did you know that? If they quit giving you money, are you going to keep going? You there for friends? Or are you there for money? I've told people this all the time. I want to make as many friends out there as I can, but I'm here for the money. We might as well get that straight right now. I'm out here for the money. And you may go, well, that's pretty greedy. No, that's real. Take the money away. Am I going to keep showing up? Are you going to keep showing up? So what are you there for? The money. You're showing me the money, Jerry. Amen? That's, that's, you're there for the money. Right? So let's just get real about it. You laid your life down. Now, after you've laid your life down, you're responsible for that. You know? It might be time for us to ask God to help us with our finances. Show me how to handle what I have so I can, I can have more and I can do more, you know. I don't know what the thoughts are, but, but I'm getting somewhere here because that's the legacy you're going to leave behind, what you did with your life, not what you possessed when you died.
Because I can tell you the possessions that you have, you can leave your children money. You can leave. Matter of fact, the Bible never told you to leave your children money. Oh, boy, I'm going to get in trouble here. The Bible said leave your grandchildren money. He said the inheritance, your inheritance is for your grandchildren and their children. He didn't say your children. Why is that? I don't know. There, there might be lots of reasons. Some of you are smiling right now, you know. There's a le- because they'll spend it, it'll be gone. In a snap, it'll be gone. Your legacy's got to be more than that. So much more than that. That you leave a thumbprint in this world, in this earth, that you were here and left some integrity in them and left some character in them and left something of value in them. Amen. That goes beyond what money can provide. Amen. If you leave your kids a, a, a wad of, of money, wonderful if you can do that. That's, that's great. I'm not, I'm not bashing that. What I'm trying to say is now's the time to find out what kind of legacy we're going to leave behind. Let's go to, let's go to Genesis chapter 1 real quick. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Here's what he said. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. You look just like him. Turn to your neighbor and say, I look just like God. So you better start saying I'm pretty. You better start saying I'm handsome because I look just like God. Amen. It says, and, and let them have dominion over, over, and then we go in there, and it is over everything on this planet, let them have dominion. What it actually means is to have um, authority for the expansion of his vision. God did not give you dominion so that you could go do what you wanted to do. He gave you dominion so that you could have authority for the expansion of his vision. God put them on this earth and created a garden just for them. His plan was for them to, that was God's vision. That garden was his vision. Everything about that garden was his vision. His plan was for them to expand that vision. Have children inside that vision. Replenish the earth inside that vision. See, we get to thinking the apple had to come so that they could find out they're naked, so then they could have intercourse, so then they could have children, and that's how that worked. No, God had a plan for them to ask questions, and he would tell them how to come together and have children. And in in God's plan, there was no... There was no pain in that labor. There was no anxiousness in the, in the uh, and, and there was no shame. Sin came along when they chose another direction, and that's why, that's why intercourse has become dirty. 
I remember growing up in church, you didn't say the word. Amen? And I knew growing up inside the church walls that that was kind of a taboo, stay away from, and you, there was a shame attached to it. God never intended to have any shame attached to it. He gave that to us as, for pleasure and to enjoy one another and to connect with one another in a deeper emotional and physical way. Amen. Rather than to carry shame all of our life and guilt of transgression and, 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 and sin, to live in that all of our life and then carry that into our children and we carry that shame and that guilt and that feeling and they can just feel it on us, they can see it on us and it becomes a natural sense. It's a natural sensation attached. And then we, we take something that's beautiful and we and we and we and it's perverted. God never intended us to just stay right there in the garden. He intended the garden to expand around the globe and this whole world become a garden. That was his first intention. He's never changed that. That's why I have to wonder now, I'm not putting any guilt, not throwing any, any shadows. But that gentleman I was talking about, I couldn't understand. I mean, God put us here, and the desire we have is to grow. Create a garden wherever we're at. What did Vic call it? Fighting the laws of disintegration. That's why we do little work, little jobs out here on this property all the time doing something to make it better. Why are we doing that? Why are you wasting all your time? Why, why don't you just leave it alone? I can't. The law of fighting, the, law, the, 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 the spirit in me will not allow me to sit back and not fight with the law of disintegration. It is in me to fight that law. I will fight that law till the day I die. It is in me to plant a tree. It is in me to put in a bush. It is in me to, 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 to make things better and to keep fighting against the, the, the law of disintegration. It is in me. It is in me to watch after this, this property to make sure if, if something's not going right that we get it fixed as soon as we can. And, and you may say, well, well, why don't we do this? or what? Well, we can only do what we can afford to do. And I know to do just do something until the money comes. What I found is if you sit around waiting for the money to come to do it, the money will never come. You have to stand up and go do something. Even if it's tearing something out to get ready to put something in, you got to do something and keep it going in that direction. Because you were made in his image to create. To create. Amen. And we were not made to be lazy and just sit back and kind of let it happen. We're created to go out there and make it happen. That's why I tell those guys that help us mow the lawn. Mow, a lawn can only be mowed one way. That's not Dean Hammonds' way. I'm just going to tell you there's only one way to mow a lawn. You mow it in four different directions. One di direction one week, one direction another, another direction the following week, and another direction the other. Well, who are you to say how lawn's supposed to be mowed? It's the way my lawn's going to be mowed. That's the way this property is going to be mowed. Because there's a right way and a wrong way. And that's the best way. So that's the way it's mowed. 
that you keep, why, why you make such a big deal out of it? Because I want that grass to look the very best because guess what? I'm the manager of it. I'm not the owner of it. And I want God to be able to be pleased with the way I'm taking care of what he has given me to take care of. It matters to me. What is that called? Excellency. You work on excellency at your home. You work on, I may not have much at my home, but I work on that home to make it the best that I can make it. Why? Because that's excellency. Amen. It's lived in, but we keep it up, try to do everything I know to do that I can do as I can afford to do it. What am I working at? Excellency. That's why we put a fence up. That's why we put a garden out there. That's why we did all that, because that is that we're just going to keep creating. We're not going to stop. It's just not going to stop. I'm not saying to be like me. I'm saying let those creative juices be released in you because God's put that is that is that is part of the character of God that's part of who he is that's his nature that's that's just who he is amen and you're his child amen book me now to we're going to finish right here first corinthians chapter 10 I'm going to read this from the, the Passion Translation. Starts with verse 23, goes through verse 24. We are radical grace here. When I talk about stuff like that, you know, um, there's things we've done to our, there's things I've done to my home I did a good job at. There's things I did to my home I didn't do such a great job at. Um, what I found is when we start on this new home, there'll be things I'll do and there'll be things I won't touch. Because Dean just shouldn't get involved in that, you know. I, I'll get involved with what I'm good at and what I know I can succeed and finish. And what I can't succeed and finish, I'm not even going to begin. Amen. Because there's somebody out there who is crafty enough and does it for a living that I'm going to pay him to do it or her to do it. Amen. Because if God's going to give me the, the opportunity to build, he's going to give me the opportunity to be able to afford to do that. Amen. If, 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 if I have to press into that and do it all myself, then God's probably not, I'm probably getting ahead of God on it. So I probably ought to step back a little bit. God never called me to do what I can't do. He called me to do what I can do. And here's the thing about all this. Understand, it's a desire from within. Amen? Amen. And so, it's just like knowing to do good and do it not. That is a sin, as well as doing wrong and knowing not to do it and do it anyway. That's a sin. Sins of omission, sins of commission. That's all coming from the heart. It's out of the desire of a man or an individual. And those desires are lined up the closer you get to God. That's why I don't preach on sin. I preach on, on him. Because preaching on him and his character draws us to him. And the closer we get to him, the more we're like him. The more we talk about sin, the more we can't get over it. Because we're focused on it. 
and then whatever you're focused on, you keep tripping over. Amen? So it doesn't do any good to preach about sin because all you do is focus on it, and then you keep finding yourself falling into it. Amen? We preach on the goodness of God because the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads a man to, re to repent, not sin, not focusing on sin, not preaching about sin, not teaching about sin. What causes a man to repent or to change or to trans trans a transferring of this kingdom, uh, of the worldly kingdom to the, to the godly kingdom is, is the goodness of God. All right? So watch this. He says, he's, Paul's giving us a little bit of a warning in Corinthians. He says, you say under grace there are no rules and we're free to do anything we please. Paul said, not exactly, because not everything promised or ev not everything promotes growth in others. See, we can't just talk to anybody any way we want to because it's not going the direction we want it to go. Not even on the phone to a telemarketer because that telemarketer is not a machine, that telemarketer is a person, a creation of God whom God dearly loves and gave his only son for, who he wants to redeem, and you may be the very person on the other end of the line on a telemarketing call that will bring them to the love of Christ. Hello. Now, you know, I've told you before, I was raised, words were a little rough with each other. I remember one time, my goodness, probably 20 years ago, we owed an IRS bill. And the IRS called. And I got the phone call. And I began to tell that IRS agent just the way it's going to be. And Pat snatched that phone out of my hands and said, Ma'am, I am very sorry. This is Patricia Hammonds. I am the wife of Dean Hammonds. I'll take over this phone call. And she looked over at me and gave me a lip service of, Leave the room. Leave the room. Get out of here. I remember one time we were going in to get a home payment or a home loan on the home we live in now, about 23 years ago. About 20 years ago. It's about 10 years before that. How many of you remember Cellular One? It's no longer, it got absorbed by, I think, uh, I think got absorbed out here by Verizon. Cellular One. I had a briefcase for a phone, you know. All right. We got through that home loan, and all of a sudden, a red flag come up. She called, said, the type of loan you're getting uh, got a red flag. So what's a red flag? So what a red flag is that um, you got an unpaid bill with Cellular One. I said, Cellular One doesn't even exist. And I don't have an unpaid bill with Cellular One. Well, it shows in our records you do. Boy, thank God I have Pat. Pat kept records of everything. Everything. And we found the date on that deal. 
And Pat went out there into the barn and went through our records and found that, that approximate date and went through all of our tax papers and found that bill. It was paid. He says, I don't understand how this happened. And I'm sitting there in front of the banker, and we're getting this all taken care of, and it dawned on me what happened. I went, oh. And the banker looked at me and said, oh, what? I said, oh, I know how, I know how this happened. I said, well, how did it happen, Mr. Hammonds? Because we don't understand. Hey, we got the copy of the bill. We're going to get it taken care of. And they did. Got it all cleared up. Yes, it was paid. But you know how it got marked unpaid? I had a lady on the phone from Cellular One. And we were fussing over the bill, and I told her, I am not paying this bill. And pow, I just hung up. And then I went home, wrote the check, paid the bill. You know what she put me under? Uncollectibles. And I got mad, and I left and went to another phone company because of the bills, the, 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 what I, the service I was getting. I got all hateful. Huh. You know what that cost me? A lot of headaches 20 years later, or, or, or 10 years later, 15 years later, of going through bills trying to fix that. It was all paid. But that lady, see, you don't know who you're talking to on the other phone. You don't know what they can do to you. You want to talk to them rough? They can say, well, I'll tell you what. I'll just do this. Ha, ha, ha. And, and now where are you at? But you really had no reason. I had no reason to talk to her the way I talked to her. I did finally, you know, working for the company that I work for now, the one thing I can, I can tell you is the thing that they instill in you, they don't teach it, they don't, they don't require it, they don't, but they instill it in you, and it's called kindness and grace to people. Kindness and grace to people. Be kind and gracious to them. Be full of grace and give them time and let them have an opportunity to redeem themselves. Give everyone that opportunity to redeem themselves. Don't cut people off. Don't be short with them. Don't talk. Just because you're full of grace and you've been saved by grace doesn't give you the opportunity to be however you want to be. Watch what, you, watch what Paul goes on to say. Because not everything promotes growth in others. What is he saying? Everything we do should promote growth in others. If grace is really working in us, we will promote growth in others. Your slogan, we're allowed to do anything we choose, may be true. Did you hear that? We can do anything we choose. We're under grace. We can. Paul said it, it's true. But not everything causes the spiritual advancement of others. Can I act any way I want to? Sure I can. Can I do whatever I want to? Sure I can. I'm now saved. I, God saved me. He drew me by His Spirit. I'm free. I'm free to do whatever I want to do. But he said, not exactly. Because everything now since you're born again into this kingdom, you should want everything to be spiritual advancement to everyone around you including those who, are, who, who you have to speak to once in a while or maybe once in your life or those that you speak to every day, spiritual advancement. As hard as that might be in some cases, 
people who work in a prison system, I, I can imagine that can be a real challenge. Uh, people who work in a daycare, I can see that be a challenge. <laughs> For me, it would be. <laughs> people working in a high school or a grade school or middle school, I'd see that as a challenge. I had a great challenge one time. They put me, one, one young man of 21 years of age, and put me underneath 21 women or put me over 21 women. At 21, I didn't even know how to talk to a woman yet, really. I didn't really know how to live with a woman and treat a woman. And they put me over 21 of them. Now, you, you manage them. Within a year, I said, I will never, ever, ever, ever do this again as I went to another position. That will never happen to me again. Folks, how we respond to others is the legacy that we will leave behind. That's your legacy. Not what you have, not what you possess, and not what you collect, and not what you store up. Not how much you got or how little you got. Not whether what you got is new or what you got is used. Those are all your choices and how you want to live. But how we treat others will be the legacy we leave behind. Amen. Amen. And God's God's just telling us today to always be aware. He says, so don't always seek what is best for you at the expense of others. Here's my motto, and I use it on a regular basis. Most of my board, I guess all my boards probably heard it before. And all of the people that I have contracted with me right now, all the people that work with me and, and do things for us, um, I have a motto. If, if everyone isn't blessed in this business deal, then no one gets blessed in this business deal. We all step back until we can figure out how we all get blessed in this business deal. I mean from me to the men who do the delivery to the men who have to come and inspect the warehouses to the people who are going to have their stores serviced to the customer who's coming in the store to purchase the service that we provide. Are, is everyone being blessed? Is everyone being taken care of? Is this a is this is this look like God from the very beginning to the very end? If there's a glitch in it somewhere that doesn't look like God, we have to look at that glitch and it has to be changed. It has to be changed. If I'm not doing my very best to make sure they're they're taken care of at the very best, if my service is not equal to all or above all services around. I've told them all, and this is how we have to look at all of this. My service has to be the best service, not equal to this com the, the, the service standard, but equal to the standard I put on as an excellency of ministry in that. It has to go above. I don't show up to be the best in the, in the area. I show up to be the best there is, period. 
Why? Because I'm operating with an excellency of ministry. The Bible says everything we do, do it as unto the Lord. And you know who he was talking to when he said that? To servants. To slaves. So how much more are we than a slave? How much more are we than a servant? We are the very children of God. If excellency should be flowing through anybody, it should be us. And everything we do, we do it as we're doing it unto the Lord. As we're doing it, as, as God was going to show up and inspect it. We do the very best we can. See, it raises us up to another standard. We can't, it's not a, oh, it'll be all right. Oh, it'll be okay. I just let that go. I, no, nothing's an I. Everything is done in every area of our life to the excellency of our King of King and Lord of Lords. Are you a child of God or are you, a, are, are you just pretending? Are we just playing a game? Are we just trying to get into heaven? Are we just trying to slide through? Or are we children of the living God? Which are we? And we have to make that determination. Amen. Is that all right today? Say it with me. I am a child of God. Built for excellence. Built for excellence. You are built for excellence. It's like my grandma told me years ago. She said, honey, you, you may have patches on your jeans, but always tuck your shirt in and put a belt on and look the very best you can with them. You know what she's trying to teach me? Excellency. I got an uncle who goes out to work, work in the farm, farm, out in the farm field. And I always, that's where I patterned my life. That's why I dress the way I do at work. Because that man, I watched that man, Rick, wear dress pants and a button down to get in a, go get in a combine and a tractor every day of his life. Yeah. Not because he's wealthy. I watched him wear them to thin. You know, thin. He, he wore them until they were, you know, he had to go get new. But he dressed because that's who he is. A cut above. I'm not just an old, you know, mud clod kicker. I'm a farmer and I am, I'm an excellent one. And when I saw that in him, I thought that's the way I'm going to be. Amen? And then I began to see the Bible and how, how, it's, how it's laid out. And that's what God expects us to be. The very best that we can be. Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your word today. We give you glory and we give you praise. Father, may we always recognize. Father, may we always report every morning of our life. Father, may we report, Father, to the destiny that you called us into. Father, may we report in excellence. Father, may we carry it out in excellence because we don't own it. It's not ours. And it won't be ours when we go home. It is ours for a season, and may we manage it like, like kingdom people. May we manage it, Father, like your children. May, may we manage it like you would manage it if you were here, but you're not. You put us here instead. Father, we are here in your stead. Father, draw us closer to you so that we can see the light of that and who we really are in Christ Jesus, the very sons of the living God.
In Jesus' name, we give you all the glory and all the praise for it. Amen. We'll see you next week.